Good morning, New Life. Good morning, online community. We love you too. So happy for you to join us today and just in some worship and hear God's word today. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Come on now. Are you excited? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good. I'm so happy you're excited. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says that God inhabits our praise. So this morning, just just realize that while we're worshiping, God is here and he loves our praise. He loves for us to worship him and minister to his heart. So that's what we're gonna do today. Father, go ahead and actually stand. Father, this morning, as we worship you, as we minister to your heart, I just pray that you would just inhabit here in this place, in your house. Inhabit this space, inhabit our hearts inhabit our spirits this morning we love you jesus we love you father in jesus name i pray amen we go from glory to glory
heartbeat of this life is to worship in your light because your glory is so
Mark 12:41 says Jesus sat down opposite of the treasury and began observing how the people were putting their money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which amounted to a cent. Calling his disciples his disciples to him he said he said to them, "Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury." Um, this morning I want to talk about the sacrifice of giving a little bit. Uh, in this story, Jesus was impressed by the poor widow's giving or sacrifice. He looked at the genuineness of her heart and the level of sacrifice that it was to her. In that moment, she gave all her livelihood away. Our culture would deem this as an insignificant offering. There's no value to it. There were two copper coins that were like uh, not even a full cent in today's money, you know. Uh, but Jesus saw the heart that it came from. I want I, I want to apply this this morning more than just our offerings. Um, in our life, in, there's times where it seems like we're we're sacrificing for Jesus, and it doesn't seem like much to us. I got a buddy that that can sit down with the Bible for a whole hour, and he'll probably only get two or three verses out of it. But I believe that that sacrifice of that time to Jesus is more valuable than the guy who can sit down and just get all this knowledge out of the scripture. It's about, it's about the sacrifice that really only Jesus sees. It's not, it's, it's not the, the, the value that our culture is giving. Hello. Um, so I want to challenge you this week to look to look at situations that may, may seem insignificant to you or the culture, but really to Jesus and his cause, it's, it's of great value. Speaking to someone that may be really hard and may seem like it's not going to do any good might be huge to Jesus because it's opening that door that it doesn't seem like anything, but, but you're sowing a seed there. Um, so let me pray real quick. Dear Father, I just ask that this week you would give us your eyes for a moment. That we could see what's valuable to you isn't, isn't the same that we think is value in this world. Father, you're, you look at the heart and it's so much more beautiful than what we see. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, a couple other things real quick. Today, we're having a pop-up uh, celebration at the end of service for the kids. Uh, we'll have, uh, it's for the kids that are graduating from kids' life. And some kids that we have missed because of COVID graduating the last couple years. Also, after the service today is the New Life Basics class um, with Angelo. So if you guys, anybody wants to... Start serving. This would be a great place to start. Come check us out. Ask some questions. Um, also,
is our spiritual practice devoted to growing as an apprentice of Jesus Christ. So you can ask Angelo about that, uh, or you can go to our website and get his email. And that's it. Thanks.
the king of my heart be the mountain where I run the fountain I drink from oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide the ransom for my life oh he is my song cause you are
shout a hallelujah for a moment. Can we do that? Just give him, give him a shout of praise and just be thankful because you're going to hate what this word says if you don't. It's just not going to work. So let's, let's pray. Father, you have never, ever let us down. We have let you down, but you have never let us down. Your word has always been true. Your word has always been right. Your way has always been straight. Help us today, Lord God, to recognize that in our lives. Help us to respond to your word that you are a good God and you're trying to teach us something today that will help us honor you. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful for what you've done for us encourage our hearts to seek you today. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Y'all may be seated. You guys seemed a little quiet this morning when I noticed when we walked in, so, so I'm not sure you're going to get any louder through the sermon, but we'll find out. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Did I ask you to put that on the wall, Kai? Oh, you're good. Kai does a great job up there. And I got to put my glasses on because I can't see. I got large print, but it's not large enough. It's time to step up the giant print. (laughs) 
Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, meaning this is a continuance of the previous chapter, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which still clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such sinner, and from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse, and I didn't give you this one, Kai. I'll find it. Verse 6. It says, without faith it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The greatest superhero we have is Jesus. Amen. Do you believe that today? Yes. He's the greatest. Let's pray one more time. Father, in my weakness, when I put my faith in you, I am made strong. In my difficulties, I am helped in your name. Father, I don't know everyone in the room and I don't know where they are in life. But I know some of them are in need of you today. They need you to draw close to them. They need you to draw near to them. They need you to draw to them. So that they can know you and know the power of your might. Some of us are weary and tired. We need your strength. Some of us are strong and we should be supporting others. Encourage our hearts to hear what you have to say today about that subject. We love you so in Jesus we pray. Amen. To live by faith is not easy. I know you want to hear pastors say, it's easy to live by faith. You should just... Trust God with everything, but that's not, that's true, but we should, but that's not saying that we do. In the Christian life, there's times of great victory, but there's times of great difficulty. And it's easy to grow weary and faint-hearted when you're living by faith, especially in the great difficulty. We see it in our struggle against sin and our struggle against self as we try to surrender ourselves to the Lord. And after living by faith for 35 years, I can honestly say it's still a struggle. I had a struggle this week with faith. Not minimizing who God is or what God is. I'm just saying the reality is sometimes we struggle with trusting God. To the Hebrews to whom this book was written, they needed to be encouraged to continue on in the faith. And so we all come to a point where we run out of strength that are run down by sin or run over by Satan. How many got run over by Satan this week? And the writer of Hebrews understands this. He compares the Christian life of faith to a marathon, not a sprint. So some of you can be all excited about Jesus for a moment, but then, then it kind of goes away and you just kind of go into a low spot. 
This isn't a sprint. You, you get worn out fast when you try to sprint. The only reason I sprint is if a dog's chasing me. <laughs> and even then I might give up. It's just... So in writing Hebrews chapter 11, which we were studying just pieces of over the last few, months, few weeks, that is, the writer is trying to encourage the believers to continue on in the faith. He says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and I don't believe those witnesses are watching us because they're in heaven. And I'm just going to say this very clearly. If I'm in heaven, I don't care what's happening on earth. I, I really don't. I know we want to think that they're up there paying attention to what we're doing, but I don't think that's what the witnesses are. I don't think they're as interested in us as they are in seeing God and Jesus on the throne. Amen? Amen. Because if you're still interested on earth and you're in heaven, you're probably in the wrong place. These witnesses, I believe, are more of examples to us. They're, they are witnesses for us, not of us. They were people who believed in the God of creation, a God who created all things out of nothing, and he did it by speaking it out just with his words. They believed God created the heavens and the earth just by speaking it out. There was no big bang. There was a big breath, but not a big bang. These are people who lived their lives to please God by believing in his existence, even though they couldn't see him. Other than what he had made. And that was enough for his eternal power and Godhead for them to believe. These are people who believed that God would reward their faith if they just believed in this God that they couldn't see other than what he created. And what he would do in their lives. And for some, God rewarded their faith on earth, and some, God rewarded their faith in eternity. So some of you are going to get rewarded for your faith on the earth. God's going to bless you because you're trusting him. And some, some of you are never going to realize the promise until you get to heaven. And that was enough for them. If we look at the Hebrews chapter 11, just break it down a little bit. There's Noah who believed the word of God, though he didn't fully understand it. God said it's going to rain. He had never seen rain before. God said he's going to flood the earth. He'd never seen a flood. I mean, if we said there's going to be a flood on the earth, we could, we could clearly look at the news and see there's floods happening all over the place. They had never seen one. And so he built an ark to the saving of his family for the sole purpose of realizing that God said this is going to happen. He believed it and moved, was moved to act upon that. Abraham believed God's promise, though it took him most of his life to see it. He was a hundred. God said, I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you. But he was a hundred before he had that child for that. I don't know if you're over 60, but if God said, I'm going to give you a child. How many of you would believe that? Yeah, you're all nervous now. You're not really saying anything. You don't want to doubt, but you also don't want it to happen. Abraham, again, when asked by God to sacrifice that only son, he offered him up, believing that God could do the impossible and raise him from the dead. That took faith. 
There's Moses who so believed in the God of the heavens that he gave up all the comforts of the earth for a cause that would cost him everything. He gave up Bill Gates' money to be with his church. That takes faith. The story in Hebrews 11 goes on to say there's Israel who faced a giant wall keeping them from their destiny. They obeyed this crazy plan of God. What was the plan of God? Walk around the city one time every day for six days and on the seventh day walk around it seven times and then shout and the walls will come down. And y'all read that story and y'all know that you're, you're like, oh, I, got, I got that kind of faith. Really? What if God asked you to do something crazy? To trust him. To just pray. One time every day for six days. And then on the seventh, pray seven times. And whatever that wall is would come down. How many of us would really believe that? By day three, we'd stop praying. Come on now, let's be honest. There are so many more stories in the Bible of men and women who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises. Stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, remain strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and women received their dead back by resurrection. Come on, that's awesome. We all will have faith if we get victories like that in our lives. Come on now. You're going to make me preach if, I'm not, if you're not careful here. Because we like that. We like to, and, and God does that. God blesses us by faith sometimes, and he blesses us in ways that are just unimaginable. I mean, he does miraculous things in our life. But some by faith were tortured and had enough faith to refuse to accept release because they believed they'd be resurrected to a better life. Some were tortured. Others were mocked for their faith, beaten for their faith, thrown in jail for their faith. We can't even imagine that in America. Some were stoned, some were sawn in two, some were killed with a sword, just for believing in God's word. Just for believing and holding to the word of God. Goes on to say that many went on this life with nothing, destitute, constantly suffering, mistreated by people and homeless. I thought about that a lot when I thought about our homeless problems in America today. I wonder how many of them God would say this, that, that the world was not worthy of these great believers who had faith even though they never received the promise. See, some of them were blessed on the earth by God. Some of them are blessed in eternity. Because they believed the word of God. So the writer leaves one more witness. Those are the examples. We get to see how they did it and that they did it. He leaves us one more witness, one more example of this race of faith. His name is Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry, 12 verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary, so that you may not grow weary, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted, so that you may not quit the race. Jesus is our ultimate example of how to live by faith. 
He's the author of our faith, meaning he showed us how to live by faith. He wrote it out. He taught us exactly how we are to live by faith in God. And he's the finisher of our faith. He showed us how to finish well. He didn't quit before the cross. He didn't quit before the cross. He didn't quit in great difficulty. He didn't quit when everyone was against him. He didn't quit when people were fighting him. He continued to surrender his life to God. So when you begin to be weary and faint-hearted, when you want to stop running the race, when you want to stop being a believer, when you just want to take it easy and just live life easy because you're not seeing the promises fulfilled in your life, consider Jesus. Jesus, there's this verse that I, I came across that just really hit me really hard. And it's Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. And it says, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, he's on the cross right then, cries out with a loud voice and says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And hearing this, he breathed his last. He so believed in God that even hanging on the cross, Hanging on the cross, Jesus sat there and said, I'm going to trust God with my life, even, even in this death. We, we can say that we trust God with our life, but do we really when we're facing death? And I want to add that he didn't run this race of faith for the pleasure of the race itself. I know some people like running marathons. I'm not one. Like I said, I'll run if there's a dog chasing me or someone's trying to tackle me. But other than that, I'm trying to walk. So you didn't run this race for the, of faith for the pleasure of the race itself, though there were some good times. There were some good times in Jesus. I think when he caught, the woman got caught in adultery and he had all those judgmental people wanting to throw rocks at her. And Jesus said, hey, you that are without sin, let you cast the first stone. And they all dropped their rocks and walked away. That's a good day. That's a good day. But then he said to the woman, what you did was wrong, don't go do it again. That's a good day when God convicts us of sin. I like it. It was a good day when Zacchaeus got changed, was changed. He's just... We little man that took advantage of his position and took advantage of his people and stole from them. And he goes and he has lunch with Jesus. One, one lunch with Jesus and he gets changed into this whole different kind of person. And he goes and he gets things right with his friends. I mean, have you ever had that happen where somebody got right with Jesus and they got right with you right after they got right with Jesus? Doesn't happen often enough. But that's a good day when people get things right. I like the story of the demoniac. Or demoniac, or demoniac, or the crazy person. You ever run into that crazy person? They're just crazy. They're just nuts. And then they meet Jesus, and then they're clothed and sitting in their right mind. It's like, what happened? Did you take some kind of drug? Was that a pill? No, it was what happens when you get saved. And he was transformed from this crazy person to this person's clothed and sitting in his right mind. That's a good day. I like it when Lazarus was raised from the dead. When there's no hope, like there was no hope. He was in the grave for three days and 
Jesus shows up and says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out and he's all taped up and <laughs> covered. And he walks out of that cave, that grave. That's a good, de good day when dead things come to life. He had some good days. Now, he had some tough days. When he was tempted by Satan, that was a tough day. Because you ever been so hungry, like, and then you go to the grocery store? <laughs> and, like, you know you're tempted to eat things you shouldn't be eating, but you buy them anyway, and you're actually eating them before you even pay for them. <laughs> Come on now, ladies. I know you do it. I watch you in the store all the time. We get tempted by Satan. When Jesus wept because of death, it's the story of when Lazarus was in the grave and he comes and he gets around his people and he just sees his people sad and crying and suffering. That, that's a tough day. I think Jesus is saddened by the suffering of his saints. That's a tough day. I think when he saw Peter deny him three times, that was a tough day. Not because Peter denied Jesus, because Jesus was confident in who he was and where he was going and what he was going to do. I think it was a tough day because he knew that Satan was trying to sift Peter like wheat. Satan was tempting him and attacking him. That's, I don't think Jesus is happy when Satan tries to tempt us and attack us and try to devour us. I think when Judas was betrayed, I think that was a tough day. Or Judas betrayed Jesus, that is. That was a tough day. Why? Because there was no more hope for Judas. Judas was going to spend eternity in hell, and Jesus knew that. Because he would not accept Christ to be Savior. That's a tough day. When somebody that you love is going to spend eternity in hell. I think in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's praying, and the Bible says that it's like he's, he's sweating drops of blood. He was under so much stress when he had to choose whether to obey God or not to obey God. See, don't minimize those moments where you're, you're wrestling with whether I should do what God says or whether I should do what's best for me. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Then there's the cross. We could talk about the cross all day. Jesus was innocent, yet he was scourged, where they literally took a cat of nine tails and ripped open his back, though he had never done anything wrong. Falsely accused. I think when he was mocked for being, being who he said he was, the Savior, being the Son of God and God the Son. If I'm God and I, you're mocking me, I'm turning you into a toad or something. I'm... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you. I'm going I'm I'm to hurt you. I'm sorry. That's just. That's why I need Jesus. Don't judge me. Throw down your rock and walk away. I think about the nails that were placed in his hands or his wrists, some say, and his feet. That's personal punishment. That's a tough day when people personally punish you. Because you claim to be a believer in, God, in Jesus Christ. 
I think when they spit on him, that was a tough day. He did nothing but love people. He did nothing but give his life for people, and yet they spit on him. That's personal disrespect. Like, you can't do anything worse than spit in someone's face. That's a tough day to be disrespected, though you've loved everyone. The scripture says that God had turned his back on Jesus on that cross because he just couldn't stand it any longer, and the whole earth went dark. And Jesus, in the midst of that darkness, cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's a tough day when you feel like you're forsaken by God. I think about the dying. We read the story about Jesus dying on the cross, and we don't realize how painful that was for him. Because on the cross, it's designed to make you not be able to breathe. And so you have to push up through those nails to, to get your arms pulled up so you can breathe. And then you, you can only stay there so long, and then you've got to drop down. So he was constantly pushing up and going down and pushing up and going down. And he knew he was going to die, but that death was slow and painful. It was purposefully slow and painful. That's a tough day. Now, there were some amazing times. He had some amazing times when he was resurrected from the dead. That was cool. That's an amazing day when you're dead and all of a sudden you're alive. Come on now, death can't win. I think it was an amazing time when he presented himself to the disciples and what he was teaching them is you can trust what I say. I told you I was going to come back. Don't you, don't you feel good when you get to say to somebody, I told you so? That's an amazing day. Husbands, wives, come on. I know you play that little game. I told you so. If you would have listened to me, you wouldn't have been sad. That's an amazing day. I think, I think the moment that he was ascended into heaven was an amazing day. I know we read the story and his ascension was the disciples watched him go away. But I want to I I make you look at it from the other side. What did heaven do when they saw him coming? How amazing must have been his reception into heaven after knowing what he did for humanity, giving his life on the cross for mankind. How the angels must have just went nuts. Would have embarrassed us for some of our worship. I think how amazing it must have been for him to sit on the throne of God again. Sitting at the right hand of his father. No longer separated from No distance, no separation. He endured the cross, the scripture says, despised the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he did that because he believed his father. But is there more to that? Because a lot of us will go through things because we say we believe. But what happens when it gets tough? What happens when it gets hard? What happens when what God is asking us is difficult? Or maybe we've done it for a while and we've just gotten tired of it. Tired of trusting God. We want to do things our way. I mean, come on now, that happens. See, the scripture says there was a joy that was set before him. There was a joy that was set before him. He endured it by something greater because of something greater, this joy. 
And I'm going to propose today that it was the joy of glorifying his father on the earth and in eternity. This was why he went through what he went through, for the joy that was set before him. That his father would be glorified in all that he did. He showed the world what his father looked like. He shared the father's attributes and he never forsook the father's will. All to bring glory to his father in heaven. This should be our reason for continuing to run the race so that we bring glory to the father in heaven. Because we've had some good times that encourage us in this race of faith. Remember when you were forgiven of your sins? That was a good day. When you felt the forgiveness of sins, when you recognized what Jesus did for you was to pay for your sins and you were able to cast your cares on him, cast your sin on him. And you didn't have to bear the weight of what you've done. You didn't have to bear the weight of your guilt and your shame any longer. It was placed on Jesus Christ for you. That's a good day. Hey, remember when you were changed? Like when Jesus changed you? You were angry, and then Jesus came along, and he transformed you, he changed you, and you're no longer angry. Remember when he transformed you? You were crazy. Like, people said you were crazy. And you met Jesus, and all of a sudden he transformed you, he changed you. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things had become new. Remember when that happened? Remember how good of a day that was? Maybe it's still happening. I'm not sure. Remember when Jesus brought new things to life? Or dead things to life? Your marriage was dead? Jesus brought it back. Your soul was dead? Jesus brought it back. See, we've had some tough times that discourage us from running the race too. It's hard when you get tempted by Satan to quit the race. It's hard to go through life being saddened by people's suffering. It's hard to be a Christian and watch people suffer. It's hard when somebody who believes doesn't believe the same as they used to. Just like Peter who denied Jesus three times and all of a sudden this person that you used to go to church with, maybe the person that brought you to church the first time to have you so that you could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now they're denying Jesus. That's a tough time. What about the one who betrays Jesus and literally turns his back on him? That's a tough day when somebody who used to be a follower of Jesus. I didn't say believer. I said a follower of Jesus. And then says, I'm no longer going to follow him. You ever have a friend like that? Family member? Yes. You? It's a tough day. It's a tough day when you want to wrestle with what God wants for your life versus what you want for your life. Come on, it's hard. It is hard to do God's will. 
It shouldn't be, but it is. Because our will always wants to do what we want, what's best for us. And we'll have some amazing times running this race. When we're resurrected from the dead, or if Jesus comes, away, comes back, the old hymn used to sing, we used to sing was, Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a land. I can't remember it. God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. I have the chorus, I'll fly away, oh glory. I hope he comes back and I'm, I'm, I'm out. You can have my car, you can have my house, you can have my lawnmower. That's like the three things that are important to me. Can't have my wife because she's going to beat me up there. I know that she's going she's to get there first. Come on, that's going to be a great day. When we no longer have to worry about sin and sadness and death. What about that moment we're all together as a church in heaven? Come on, what a glorious day is that, that going to be where nobody's fighting over whatever they're fighting for over? Where we're just all loving on Jesus. And we're just, and could you imagine that worship service? How amazing that day is going to be. How good that's going to be. What about the moment we see God on the throne with sitting, Jesus sitting next to him and the angels surrounding him singing, Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. I want to I see that moment. Especially since I'm forgiven by Jesus Christ. I won't have to be like Isaiah and have to have my sins forgiven again. What about that moment when our faith is, our, our run of faith is judged? Now, I'm not going to focus on the negative side of that because we, it's easy to do. But some of you have run a good race. And you've been faithful through difficult times. And I can't wait to hear God say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a little. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's going to be a good day. All the things you've put up with on this earth and all the difficulties you've gone through. And God, you're going to hear that from God. Come on now. God says to you, Well done. Well done, Angelo. Well done, Joey. Well done, Elsie. Well done, Renee. You've been faithful over little. I'll make you ruler over much. Enter thou in the joy of the Lord. See, God's not asking you to do what Jesus did by bearing the weight of man's sins on the cross, but he wants you to consider running the race as Jesus did. Now, running a marathon isn't easy. You get weary. But in that part, you get weary. Consider Jesus. He endured such difficulty, but he did so for a joy that was set before him. The scripture says in Romans eight seventeen. Speaking to us as children of God, as children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. See, there's a little bit of honor that comes with continuing in the race and doing it well. But that honor may be bestowed upon us for our faith in God. It goes to God because it's He's the one that made, us, made it possible for us to live by faith. You will never glorify the Father without faith more than words. That's been my theme, at least my theme over the last few weeks in, in this body. There's a lot of you that will say that I have faith, but do you have works? Do you have evidence of that faith? Are you actually trusting and living, trusting God and living for Him? Jesus said this in John 17, 1. And this is right before He went to the cross. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Meaning that what Jesus did was going to bring glory to the Father. The glory that was going to go to Him was going to go to the Father. Since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give, him eternal, to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life that they know Jesus or know God. Know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So yes, Jesus is known, but his whole purpose of what he did on the cross was so that we may know God. I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. God is glorified by what we do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus recognized that the glory or honor given to him by God was the glory or honor of the Father himself. So what he received was to be given to God. It was to be honoring to God. The cross that Jesus was about to bear by faith would bring glory to the Father. His suffering was a solution of God to the sins of mankind, which gives glory to God the Father, but also glory to the Son. Jesus' punishment is God's fulfilling His promise to save us from our sins, giving glory to the Father through the glory of the Son. Jesus showed us who the Father was by faith, by doing the Father's will. Bringing glory to the Father through the glory of the Son. He's the greatest superhero I know. Jesus. He gave his life not only to save us from our sins, but to show us the glory of the Father. Here's the question. Does your faith glorify your Father in heaven? 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16 says, Yes, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. What name? The name of Christian. Your faith, life, can either bring glory to God or not. Does your faith, life, bring glory to your Father in heaven? That's why we go through what we go through. That's why we go through the struggles we go through. Why? So we can bring glory to God. 
So that people can see in us who God is and what God's about. So that he can be honest. So people say, praise God, not praise Andy. So people can say, praise God, not praise Kayla. We, they can see God in us and through us, but it's really God who they need to see, not us. So I thought I'd throw some freebies in here. Because the question is going to be, how do I glorify my Father in heaven? I'm just going to give you some, there's, there's a bunch of them, but I didn't include all of them because of time. But you can glorify God when you confess your sin. When you confess your sin, you're putting on display His glory, declaring that He is righteous, not you. Psalm 51, 4 says, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. The confession of sin is simply saying that I am not perfect. I need you, God. I need a way for me to deal with this sin. I need a way for that. That is what Jesus did on the cross for me. But I have to confess it. I have to confess that I am unholy, that I am unrighteous, that I am unworthy, that I am unwelcome in heaven without the forgiveness of my sins. When was the last time you just confessed your sins, that you were wrong and that you, what you've done is wrong against God? We glorify God when we forgive others. God's forgiving God. <laughs> I thought I'd get more out of that. God's forgiving God. He is a forgiving God. We know that about him, right? Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? Who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared, honored, respected, glorified. Praised. With you there is forgiveness. How many of you have been forgiven by God? How many of you hold unforgiveness against somebody else? If God's a forgiving God, you do not bring glory by holding a grudge against somebody. You do not bring God glory because that's not what God does. When, when we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, the Bible says, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The scripture says, Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Yeah. Verse 14 goes on, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. If you can't forgive, you're not glorifying God the father. You're not bringing glory to him. If you forgive, especially those of you who have been wronged greatly, the depth of your forgiveness, the power of your forgiveness is that you bring God glory because that's what God did for you. He forgave you of all of your sin. How do people know how, that God's a forgiving God unless his own people will forgive people who wrong them? We glorify God by trusting God. Romans chapter 4 and verse 18. I'm reading a lot of verses on purpose, but Romans 4, 18. Speaking of Abraham... In hope, he believed against hope. That's a sermon in itself. In hope, he believed against hope. That he should become the father of many nations, as, has been, as he's been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith, but he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. 
He's 100 years old, just so you know. If you're that old, you're as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith, and he gave glory to God. Trusting God when it's impossible brings glory to God. Trusting God when there is no way it's going to happen. You're 100 years old. You're not going to father a child. Not going to happen. God says, but I made this promise to you that it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. Amen? How many times do we glorify God because we trust him in situations that just seem it's impossible for this to happen, but I'm going to trust what you say, and I'm going to obey it. You bring glory to God. We glorify God by bearing spiritual fruit. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove, so prove, so prove to be my disciples. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not part of the vine. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that bears fruit. I can't remember the rest of it. See, I believe that this fruit bearing is nothing more than showing others his attributes. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. We glorify God when we love, especially when we love people who don't deserve our love. Jesus went to the cross to pay for our sins because he so loved us. And he so loved the Father that he wanted to please the Father and glorify the Father in this sacrifice. How about joy? Christians should have joy. Yes. <laughs> I'll be honest, I wrestle with that. I'm a little bit too serious sometimes. But it was for the joy that was set before him that Jesus did what he did so that he would be glorifying the Father. I think joy brings the Father glory. And, and as, as a Christian, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. Come on now. Our sins are forgiven. Our our home is in heaven. Like when when this is all done, when whatever happens on earth is all done, because of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven in a mansion over a hilltop. That's another song I could sing too. In that bright land where we'll never grow old. The older I'm getting, the more I want to be in that bright land met with my brother the other day. All we talked about was doctor visits and hospital things. <laughs> I am there. Peace. We should have the most peace. Why? Because it glorifies the Father in heaven. We should be the most patient. Woo! We should be the most patient people on the planet. Why? Because God's, I'm glad God's patient with me because if God's not patient with me, I'm going to be destroyed very quickly. How about kindness? We should be the most kind people. Why? Because God is kind. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We glorify the Father when we bear fruit that lets people see who God is. And it's not easy to Love people who are unlovable. But that's who God is and that's what God did. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
We glorify God when we're thankful. Psalm 50, 23, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I'll show the salvation of God. We glorify, when we're thankful for what God has done, sometimes we're, we're not as thankful as we should be. I, I, I feel alone up here. Am I okay? <laughs> when was the last time you were just thankful for God putting you through a trial that glorified him? When was the last time you, you glorified God or were thankful to God because of something good that he did for you? And I know that's easy to do. We do that all the time. God, you've done good. You've been good to me. Thank you. Yeah. What about being thankful for the difficult times? Yeah. The hard times. The times where we've got to wholly rely on him to provide. It brings glory to God. And we glorify God when we pray. And I wanted to end on this on purpose because the scripture says in Psalm 50, verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Yeah. How often do we glorify God in our prayers? Where we call upon him in a day of trouble instead of going to the internet to find the answer. Or calling a friend. I'm not saying calling the friend is bad. I'm not saying getting on the internet is bad. I'm saying why would you go there when you can go to God who has the power to help you, who has the power to change things, who has the power to encourage you? How often do we pray and say, God, I need help. And then later say, God, thank you for answering that prayer. How many of you would tell people the first thing when they run into trouble is, hey, you need to pray. You need to talk to God. Because you've experienced God in such a way that you can't help but say, why would I talk to anybody else when I can talk to God? Why would I seek help from anything else? Why would I go to the bank when I can go to, go to heaven? First Corinthians 10.31 sums it up for me, at least. That so what, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Yeah. In this race, it's difficult. There's some good times and there's some tough times and there's some amazing times. But we go through it to bring God glory. So that when people see our faith, when people see us, they, they see who God is and how awesome God is because they either see him in us or they hear about him from us. So when you're going through tough times, when you're going through difficulty, the scripture says, consider Jesus. Just stop and think about Jesus. He's been through what you've been through and probably more. He wrote the book on how to live by faith. And he taught us how to finish well. But see, glorifying God is not done with words alone. It's done through the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's doing it by faith. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know where you're at. I know this. Whatever it is, God's trying to get glory through you 
God deserves to be praised. God should be praised. God should be honored. Everything Jesus did was to the glory of the Father. That should be said about us. Let's stand. Father, there are people in this room that could be, their faith life could be in Hebrews chapter 11. There are some superheroes in the room whose faith should be influencing the world that there is a God that can be trusted and relied upon. Father, there are people in this room who are going through things right now where all they're doing is relying on you. They're trusting in you. They're being true to you. But they're getting a little weary. They're getting tired of the temptation of Satan. They're getting, getting tired of him sifting them like wheat. They're getting tired of running the race. And I believe today what you're saying to them is don't quit. Don't quit. That if you would just consider Jesus, if you would just see his example of how he lived to glorify you, that maybe we would stop trying to glorify ourselves and we would just glorify you. Father, we need you today. There's people in this room that they are struggling. They're wrestling with whether to trust your word. They're wrestling whether to obey your will versus their will. They're tired. And I tell those in the room, consider Jesus. He's the greatest witness of faith we could have. And sometimes we just need to lean on him a little bit more. Look to him a little bit more. Look to him a little more often. And stop running this race by ourselves because we're not alone. So, Father, with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, I just wonder if they're going to call upon you today and surrender their lives in such a way that they would surrender it to glorifying your name in their faith life. That whatever they're going through, they're just going to trust your word, obey your word, surrender to your word, and keep on running. And keep on running, Father. Just keep on running. Encourage their hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would be honest with me today and just say, Pastor Andy, pray for me. I am having a tough time in this race. Come on.
Raise your hands if you need to see them. I'm having a tough time running this race. It's getting wearisome. It's getting tough. I get it. Father, I pray for those that raise their hands. Give them a clear vision of you, Jesus. Let them see themselves in your race. Let them find encouragement that if you could do it, you can help them do it. Father, help them to surrender themselves to you. To not give up, to not quit, to not walk away. But to trust you today. Jesus, we pray. If you're in the room and you just need to pray to God today, you just need to give him some glory. Say, maybe it's confessing sin. Maybe it's being thankful. Maybe it's forgiving someone. Maybe it's asking God how to trust you. The altar's open. Bring your decisions to here. Herein is my Father glorified. This is our future, New Life. They are going to turn the world upside down for Jesus. We're going to help them do that. Where's Becky? There she is. Becky's got it. You may be seated. We'll be another two hours. Not really. 
I mean, if the Lord leads, we'll see. Hi, fam. Um, welcome to our, we're bringing it back, pop-up service, um, where we are celebrating the children who have been um, up there in Kids Life. They are graduating out of Kids Life um, this year, and then also due to COVID last year, we wanted to give them honor as well. Um, so that's what you see is these beautiful babies um, on the stage here, and then these beautiful babies in the front. You guys are doing so good. So, so good. Um, we also, um, I wanted to let you know of a couple things that we have going on. We have, um, where's Abby? Right here. There's Abby. Yeah, yeah. Abby, you'll see Abby and then also my husband, Sid. They are going to be starting um, September 18th, our middle school and high school for Sunday morning service. Yes, 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 yes. We are, we have been waiting. We have been praying for the both of you. Um, because it's such a need. I spent a long time um, with that age group, um, and they need Jesus. And so will you be praying for Abby and Sid um, as the Lord leads them into this next season for these kids? Because my goodness, they need people to rally with them, and my husband and Abby are the ones who are going to get in the dirt with them. Um, also, we have a shifting. Um, those of you, you don't get to see her often, but if Angelina, if you would come here really quick, and I'm going to work really hard on keeping it together. Um, I know. Uh, Angelina has been the children's director. These beautiful flowers are for you. Um, we are doing, Angelina's doing a transition and a transition for her family. Um, she has been faithful in serving this house for the last three years, and we're so grateful. A lot of the reasons why your children come home and singing songs is because of um, the leadership that she has brought uh, to this church. And so she's going to be taking a break and her with her and her family because we are obviously believing in family focus. Um, I will be taking over some of her duties, working really hard on filling the giant steps that you will be leaving um, until the Lord brings uh, whatever is going to happen next. So will you also be praying for her and her family in this uh, in this transition and time, the well-deserved time um, for focusing on themselves? So I am going to pass this over to you right now, and then we can go ahead and um, we're just going to give um, our children... Bibles, and then also, oh, sorry, real quick, at the end of service, um, once you pick up your kids, will you come bring them um, over to this little photo booth that we have so they can go ahead and pop up to the next grade level? Um, I have confetti that I plan on throwing at them. Uh, parents, if you also want to throw some confetti at your children, I have more than enough for you. Um, we're going to be taking their pictures, and then each child will get a bag. Um, Marlo Russell, thank you so much, has made us beautiful cupcakes. Will you, parents, feel free to go and grab some. Yeah, so we're just going to start this little ending of celebration. Um, children, we are for you. We love you. I'm going to read this actually scripture. Sorry, family. Yes, put that down. By all means. Um, so this year, we the Derek now. <laughs> okay, so this year, um, we want you all to always remember that when you face Pop up. So because God is with you and Jesus has overcome everything for you. Okay? So the scripture that we are going to be praying. Oh, thanks. Oh, hi, Deej. Um good good on ya. Okay, so let me I'm gonna read this over again and then um as a church, can everyone see this? Who's in the back? Charlotte, can you see this? Can you see this? Yes. Quite well. Okay. 
So on the count of three, because we are, man, we're going to take, we have always taken it seriously, but moving forward, this is going to be our commitment as honorary family members, as aunties and grandparents and moms and dads. So adults, will you read this to me? Because this is basically our, our covenant we are going to make with the children. So we're going to read this first, and then we're going to read this scripture. And I want you to think of John 16, throughout the year and be praying this over them. Because my goodness, our children are going to places and they need to know that we will always have their back. Okay. One, two, three. Read it with me, adults. So this year, we want you to always remember that when you face challenges and obstacles that might get you down, you can pop up because God is with you and Jesus has overcome everything for you. And so the scripture is, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering, will suffer, you will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. So even if you remember this year, be courageous. Jesus has overcome the world. We are here. We are for you. Miss Angelina, will you finish this and take us out? All right. Um, I'm going to try again to do this without crying. Um, you guys have all brought your kids to church and been faithful as parents to do it and choose to wake up in the morning and griping and moaning and all this stuff in the morning. My kids do it too. And I just want to give you guys also honor in that aspect that you guys have to make that effort too. So keep up the great work. These kids love Jesus. They absolutely love Jesus. We have parties every, it's gonna be hard. I'm probably gonna gain weight now that I'm not dancing like crazy in the back. So we're gonna go ahead and call them up one at a time. Abby, uh, Miss Abby and Mr. Sid are here because we are passing them along to their next group and they're gonna go ahead and see their room too. They're gonna kind of look at that. So you guys ready? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna have to do it anyway. You wanna hand me one? Oh, okay. Miss Chloe, bright and cheery Chloe. Sweet smile, loves Jesus, and darn, do you love dragons, right? <laughs> we love you and we're gonna miss you so much, but we know you're doing great things already. Go ahead and go with your leaders. Zaria, my girl with a Z. You ready? Maybe a little? They're really fun, I promise. <laughs> All right. No, you're good. Taylor, come on up. God, you even got the haircut to bring you on out, girl. This is. I hope that you use this, read that Bible, and you know what? God's with you every step of the way. You guys have a great time. Carly. I love you, girl. She's um, was shy. <laughs> Not as shy anymore when she's back there. She's one of the best helpers, and I know she's going to light up the world. Go ahead. Lily Johnson, this is my niece. Oh my gosh. Lily Johnson. <laughs> we believe in you. The word's gonna take you big places. We love you. Vienna. 
you are now. Are you okay with that? She said I didn't graduate. Well, she is now. <laughs> she is I, an adult in a kid's body. She is just ready to, she's so mature. Sometimes I'm like, uh, you really aren't that old yet. She's amazing. Oh gosh. Zane Mackley, is he in the crowd? Zane, we'll save this for him. We'll save it for him. Michael, nope. Oh, no, it's okay. It's a Z. It's the Z that threw you off. Xander! This is my baby. All right. I tell you stuff every day. You're like, yeah, mom, whatever. <laughs> you guys, you guys ready? We're going to pray you on out. All of you. And I'm going to try to keep it together as I pray because God's listening all the time. Lord Jesus. We extend our hands over to the blessings that you have honored us to take care of, to teach, and walk your path, Lord. We pray, we know that there are going to be circumstances where they go next, Lord. We know that they're dealing with the world, Lord, and we know that we are equipping them, parents, every day, the church, when they're here, Lord, that we are equipping them with the word so that they're able to not just survive, but thrive and lead others to Christ. We pray that they have courageous attitudes and they are brave in the world we live in today, Lord. And those words are not empty because you come back and you promise. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the, the blessings that you honor us with. In the name of the Lord, amen. amen. Go off. Okay, so parents, we're gonna actually have our kids go back so you can go pick them up at checkout. So if you would be, give us just a second. Okay, my babies, let's stand. Even you, Austin. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You better believe it. All right, fam, we're going to give them a second just to get back up there. Bring them by. Get your kid a bag. Jump on the trampoline if you need to have a little youth feeling for yourself as well. I'm here for it, personally. Okay. There we go. Oh, they're jacked. Sorry, it's. I wish you guys could see what I'm seeing right now. They're, isn't it funny? I mean, those of us who are teachers know, like watching children walk back to something and the line started out good and then you see Austin just. <laughs> okay, listen. I feel like saying Kayla the end. Now they're up there. Pastor, anything else? Are we good? We're good, Grant? Okay, ooh, I'm gonna pray for y'all. Yes, and then we'll be done. Oh, and thank you, Charlotte, thank you. Um, one super last thing, we are gonna be joining with a whole bunch of other parents and we're gonna be uh, teaming up with praying for our schools. You can pick any school, 6 p.m., right, Charlotte? Any, be praying for the, you don't have to, Charlotte said, you don't even have to pray out loud if you don't want to. But you can gather at whatever school of your choice. We also will be partaking in that, um, partnering with our teachers, the administration, because my goodness, 
We already know, but now more than ever, we need to we need to show up for them. So if you would, if you can't be there, can you be thinking about a school or even thinking about the children who are in this school for protection, um, for teachers with the correct guidance, for administration with the correct guidance, and just a hedge of protection all around those babies. Okay, let me pray for you. I am not the one to be praying. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room, and I thank you for those of us who are online. Father, we join with you for praying for our babies. Father, we ask for their minds and their hearts to be covered. Father, we ask for the voices that ensure to them that they are not enough, that you have actually created them to be more than enough. So, Father, those of us who are in this room who are charged with the honor of being in charge of these children or to be aunties, uncles, dads, and papas, Father, give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see what you want us to speak over them. Fill us with wisdom. Fill us with grace for what you're asking us to do in this next season. Father, I pray that each and every one of us will have a year like none other, because you're going and we're going with you. So Holy Spirit, guide us and won't you come. Cover us today, Jesus. In your beautiful name, amen. Amen. All right, go get your babies, get them a bag, eat a cupcake, jump on a trampoline. Let's live our